Put your hands together and welcome your very own Dunstable Town Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Talk of the Town podcast. I'm your host Andy Burrows and we have a very special edition of the Talk of the Town podcast today. Uh, many fans and uh, people alike at Dunstable Town have always said to me, let's get some former players, some forum, former managers on. We've done both. I've got them all in one episode. I've got a former player and a former manager. Uh, Tony Fontel, how are you, sir? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks, Andy. Um, thanks for uh, inviting us and... Uh... Yeah, hopefully we can uh, share some interesting and uh, amusing stories from uh, days gone by with Dunstable. A hundred percent, Tony. It's great to have you on the show, mate. Uh, now at Slough Town, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm um, assistant manager at Slough, with, which coincidentally has got a Dunstable link with um, Scotty Davis, who's the manager. So mm. he's the player manager. Um, so it's funny how football pans out uh, because I was probably at my lowest there when um, Barton Rovers lost. Uh, asked me to well relieve me of my duties, and then two weeks later, uh, rock up at step two, helping out Scotty at Slough, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Nah, good club Slough, mate. I grew up around the Willstone area, and I've always known of Slough Town, mate. So yeah, big big club. Um, let's talk about your time at Dunstable Town. Um, so you joined as a player, if I'm uh, not mistaken, in 2012. Uh, yeah, well, I've had. I've had quite a few stints with Dunstable, believe it or not. My, <laughs> the joys of non-league. <laughs> my actual first stint was in the youth team. Um, so when I moved back to Luton from London, uh, my dad actually played for Dunstable in the 80s. Um, he made a handful of appearances for the first team, um, but he was predominantly in the reserves because they had a player called Dave Regis at the time, mm-hmm. who uh, was still Regis's brother. So he couldn't quite oh, wow. get in there. So when we first moved to Luton, I uh, was looking for a club and he said, oh, we'll try my old club, Dunstable. So I went there as a youth team player. And then, yeah, a few years later, fast forward, uh, I'll say mid-20s, when I had my, my first stint there. What was it like when you eventually got into like the Dunstable Town first team? What was the setup of the club when you uh, when you first arrived? Very, very different to when I went back. Uh, the, the clubhouse was, as you come into the right-hand side, uh, the car park, I think only had half a ceiling. Um, <laughs> the stands, the main stand that was there, that, that was falling down. I think at the time, it's probably one of the biggest pitches in the, in, in the country. Um, but what it did do, we had some fantastic players there. It, it, it forged sort of my, my love and, and, and affinity for non-league football because... I won't share all the stories, but as you can imagine, there's uh, many a tale to tell from from that clubhouse, uh, celebrating victories or uh, commiserating ourselves after a defeat. What is it like as a young player stepping into non-league football for the first time? I remember when I first experienced this, I was like, fuck it now, what am I doing here? Yeah. And it was all a bit like daunting. So what was it like for you when you eventually got to make your debut for Dunstable? Was it all a bit daunting and like, or did you just take non- non-league by the balls and just get on with it? Yeah, just sort of got on with it. I think there's always been a sort of different breed of non-league footballer, especially in Luton and Dunstable, uh, predominantly. Um, I can't describe it other than there's that rawness, um, the physicality, 
So you also have to have not only the, the, the physical strength, but you have to have the mental strength to get through it because you get bollocking off players, you're getting bollocking off, off the manager. And it is almost sink or swim environment. Uh, fortunately for me, I'll manage to come come through it. So, yeah. Who was the uh, Dunstable manager when you broke through to the first team? So, so when I first when I first went over there, it was, um, it was Revo and Crofty. I was trying to get the, the timings right. So I remember there was a period when Kerry was Kerry Dixon was manager as well. So I, I had a couple of, 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 of periods there, but that sort of time it was Revo Crofty and I just like their characters from, from, from the outset. I like their, their vision, their plans. And, and what they wanted to do with Dunsport originally, they, they wanted it to be like a, a step two Conference South side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely believe that that time we sort of had the, the infrastructure, just not necessarily the fan base. The fan base was there, but we didn't have the fans attending. So they had this big vision about what they wanted to do. And, and, and there was a lot of good local players that was playing there, people I knew. So I thought, you know what, it's more or less on my doorstep. It's, it, it was a no-brainer at the time for me to come there. And I knew historically that it was a big club, obviously. And you hear the press historically around Barry Fry, George Best, mm-hmm. Jeff Askell, etc. And because my dad had played there in, in like the, the Southern League, I felt sort of wanted to follow in his footsteps and, and say, yeah, that I played there as well. So what step were they playing in when you joined? Um, so I believe we they just got promoted. I think it would have been step three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the Southern League Prem. Um, and it was a right baptism of fire, to be honest, um, because I think our opening game of the season was against Chippenham. And if my memory serves me right, we lost 6-0. I remember Scotty um, telling me a story about this game. Yeah, it was quite, I'd mm-hmm. say funny. I put, probably, when I say this, it, I don't want to do them disservice because it, it, it wasn't. But I think all through that pre-season, we'd, we'd set up in a certain shape or formation of like, say, 4-3-3. And in the opening game of the season, decided to go 3-5-2 and we hadn't worked on it. Mm-hmm. So people didn't understand their positions, their roles, and there was a lot of spaces. And, and Chippenham, I think, were one of the favourites and they just absolutely tore us um, a new one. But I remember the first win, I believe, was at home to Port and Rovers. And I think I nicked a goal. We won 2-0. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, but it was a real... Real difficult slog of a season, like just with the travelling south and west, no coaches. Um, but it was a brilliant time. The, the camaraderie, the togetherness, even though we knew we weren't brilliant, but it was a never-say-die attitude at the time. Yeah. How how was the club off the pitch when you were getting Obviously, we see Creasy Park as it is now. There's AstroTurf pitches all out the back. We've got the new hub behind the goal. Uh, we've got a beautiful clubhouse, but obviously, I've, I've, when I sit down and speak to the regiment and I speak to Scotty and Ian and Cupcake and all them boys that have told me, like, Dunsport was in a bad way when, like, you boys were playing your career there. It wasn't great off the pitch. How was that for you as players at the time? Well, I suppose because, as I say, we've just been playing non-league football. You didn't, as a kid, you don't really think of the facilities too much, so... I think out of the showers, only one worked properly, so it was a fight to get to that shower first. The other ones, like, the, the, the hot water only lasted for five minutes. I remember going through, I used the term boardroom, but I use that loosely, 
and you wouldn't be on your own because you'd have rats crawling around you, you know, you'll see one scurry across. So uh, it, it, it was in a state of disrepair, to be honest. So throw that into the mix with the clubhouse, as I say, the, because that was my sort of only understanding around, I think that's why I love non-league football was the socialising after, to be honest. Oh, that still um, goes on, mate. Think, yeah, yeah. If you left before having five points, then, you know, you, you, you're getting ripped by the lads. Um, but yeah, no, it was real good times, as I say. And I think when, when, I, when I originally left there to when I come back, it, it was worlds apart. Um, but I'll go into that when I, when I did return later. But there was a bit of a rumour and it, it sort of come back to bite me on, on the backside, so to speak, as a manager in that locally I was known for, for moving from club to club for an extra fiver. Um, and when I did return, the regiment done. It's, it's one of the best bits of uh, social media I've seen where they've done a... Um, they made up a £5 note, but instead of, at the time, the Queen's head, they put my head on it instead. Awesome. So, uh, but I'll, 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 I'll give a story about that later. But yeah, when I left first time, as per usual, um, the money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Um, Do you money, think that plays such a big part in a non-league game now, Tone? I mean, obviously you might have experienced it at, at, at Slough. The money in non-league football, it, 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 can you compare it to where you are now at Slough? And we even hear it at Dunsport. I only speak to Joe, the manager, and some of the things he tells me about these players when he rings them and they're like, you want how much? What's the difference between you were playing as a player with the money? Like you say, you might have gone down the road for a fiver. Now we're getting people ringing up Dunstable Town saying, yeah, I might come down, asking Joe if we're full-time. I mean, it's, it's night and day from when you play to what it is now. I mean, you're, you, must see some, you must see some things at step two and you must think, hang on a minute, this is crazy. Well, if anything, it's the contrary because at step two, as bad as it sounds, things are done properly. Yep. So, yeah, the, 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 the money certain clubs are paying is astronomical. You're talking budgets, people will use budgets, but you're talking, you're playing against teams that have got a budget of £20,000 a week. Wow. So you're talking proper. So when you're talking those sort of sums, people have to do things properly and mm-hmm. it's everything's done by the book. Um, a lot of them, them, them players that step two, I believe they get paid monthly as opposed to weekly. So there's a vast difference. But when you start talking locally, I was having a chat with my mate the other week and even though we'd say that we got paid reasonably well, some of the figures I hear quoted nowadays, and I know everyone would say it, it is a joke, but the joke is, and if any lad takes this disrespectfully, it's not meant, but I'm just saying it how I see it. They, they wouldn't lace half the players' boots that, 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 that have graced local football mm-hmm. um, over the years. And I know older players will say it and people used to say it about me as the standard that I played, but year on year for me, the standard has gradually got worse. And now you're getting lads that are trying to command ridiculous figures, but not give that loyalty back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I mean, I'm hearing lads at step five getting 150, 200, 300 pound a week. And, I just don't see how it's justified, but the the problem is, it's it's the it's the clubs, the managers' fault because everyone is almost becoming so egotistical to try and get the best local players. That whilst the clubs are paying it, of course, players the world within their rights to come on that money because mm. someone's going to pay it. So it's almost unless everyone took that stance to say right, no, we'll cap it. 
and this is what everyone gets. And then you start talking about, well, who's the best coach, who's got the best facilities. That's then maybe you'll start seeing that true extent. But I suppose it's all the way from the, the top of the pyramid when you look at the Premiership, for example. It's those that have got the biggest budgets, or, excuse me, are the ones that tend to do well. Mm-hmm. And then you see it filter through, say, to non-league. Those that have got the, 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 the cash or the bigger budgets are the ones that, that generally succeed. But I've seen it go the other way where I've seen teams with big budgets that haven't got that team spirit togetherness and it becomes very, very toxic. And then once that money runs out, as we've yeah. seen with Dunstable and other clubs. Look at Hornchurch recently. I remember them yeah. having Dimitri Corrine in goal. And you're thinking, yeah. what the fuck's going on here? You know what I mean? Paying mega money. Yeah. Now they're, unfortunately, they're no more. Um, so when at your time uh, at Dunstable Tone, obviously you said you you, you moved on. Um, what what was it back then? Was the where Dunstable was situated? We, we've got like Luton, we've got Watford. You could be scattered by QPR. I mean, like you say, um, I remember when I was at Willstone, we had Jermaine Beckford with us, and we had like fifty six yeah. scouts watching him a game. Uh, yeah. I think I think he went on loan at Slough actually. Funnily enough, for a little bit. Um, what was it like back then? Though was the ambition to go on to maybe get the catch the eye of a QPR or a Luton or a what? Because we say this all the time at Dunstable. We had a young lad last uh, last season. Axel played one game for us, and then he's gone. He's in the Luton Academy, and you're like, ah, oh, if we could just keep these players just for one season to give them that yeah. non-league experience. You look at people like Jermaine, Ian Wright, Stuart Pearce. They all had that non-league upbringing. Do you think that maybe is going out the game now? Um. It- to an extent, I think what, what's happening now, because you've got social media, we, we had social media to an extent when we was at Dunstable, but it, it didn't really, um, you didn't use it to sort of like sell yourself or, or showcase your talent, so to speak. But it, it was things like the non-league paper that first come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, just going back to the original question, no one really had those aspirations, to be honest. I was of an age where I, I was early 20s, my time had passed in pro clubs looking at me. And I think the thing is, is I know this is going to sound silly, but when you're a youngster, I don't think we realised the potential, I won't say how good, but the potential that we had. It weren't until someone close within your circle, so when, like, likes to say, Zima Abbey got snapped up by Cambridge United, it was like, oh, shit, mm. we have got something here. But I see other lads at different clubs like Dave Kitson go all the way up to the top. But that, that group of players that we had at that time, um, none of them went on to be pro in, in essence, other than the likes to say Sally, Darren Soul, mm-hmm. who's the manager of um, Woking now, who went on to have quite a good, um, he's had a good like coaching stroke managerial career um, in the pro game. And 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 non-league, and at a time when he left here, Chile was playing with us at Dunstable. But he he quickly saw where his strengths were, and that was in leading teams and coaching, as opposed to being uh, a, a player. And he knew that as a player, he wouldn't get to those levels. So mm. quickly made that decision, and and it and hindsight showed that it was the right decision for him. So that first time round, we we didn't have those sort of players that had those aspirations. I think it was just almost. Say like a, a collection of like um, off the cuff sort of hard as nails teams. To be honest, it was mm. the sort of team that you wouldn't want to play against on a Tuesday night. Is the only yeah. way I could describe that that team. Um, but 
I had the likes at the time. It was still a good platform for us because I remember Cambridge City showed interest in me. It was Conference South at the time. Um, and then another club who I did end up going to, although they weren't at the Dizzy Heights they are now, was Boreham Wood. Yeah, I remember so them back when, in the day. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan so and Premier. Yeah. So I think when the money got cut that first time round, as always, clubs get wins. I mean, we had ex-Luton players like Robbie Keane playing. Um, Marvin Williams, he was at Luton, Reading, you know, Grant Carney, uh, Cole Drew, you know, we had some good players. Um, one of the, the, the best players that, that never made it for one reason or another, Cole Spring, he was there then times, you know, so on, on paper, we had, a, we had a very, very good side um, that probably should have done better than, than, than mm. what it did. So what led you away from Dunstable, apart from an extra tenner tone, um, that's yeah. what you would say. But I what think, led you? What led you away, and then what led you ultimately to come back to the club? Well, I think um, it, it got to that point where we, we'd had some, we'd had some like good memories. The the budget got cut, and, and you're expecting to travel to the likes of Kings Lynn, oh. up and down like the the, the West Country. I mean the, that that year, I remember we had an FA we had an FA Cup run as well where I can't remember if it's the same year, but there was a, a, a game against Staines and we drew nil-nil away. And that game was having a bit of banter with one of their players. Uh, lad, I think his name was Fiston Manuela. And um, big geezer, you know. Um, and I ended up having, I got the short straw and had to mark him at corners. And they was a high league club and he's giving it to me. I'm giving him it back, like a bit of banter, etc. And then it got to the second half and the, the niggles were, were carrying on, carrying on. And now I remember looking down at his boot and his boot was split at the bottom. So I'll never forget. And I said to him, I said, flipping hell, mate, who's doing the talking, you or your boot? Well, with that, he's, he's had red mist. So we clear the corner, the ball goes over. I'm playing right wing. It goes on to our left-hand side. There's a late tackle. So everyone goes over there. There's a lad, Mark Kefford, is right in the midst of it, centre half. And this fist, and I started sprinting, and he's gone up, and he's headbutted uh, Kev's. Um, I think he fractured his um, cheekbone, oh. split it. So my my sprint quickly turned into a jog to a walk to standing <laughs> still. Yeah. I was thinking, I ain't having nothing to do. I kind of felt bad, like for for Kev's, because I, I felt that he he got that because of my niggling with him, and unfortunately, mm. I never. It like made the local papers, and unfortunately for him, and never expected that he, he got um, he got sent to prison for six weeks, I think, for that. Wow! So that was like, yeah, yeah. So that was like a little bit of news at the time, and but something that happened we, on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So I, I felt really bad for him, you know. He, he he was a good guy. Lucky they don't Sorry, do that now. Just... After lucky they don't do that now. After Spartan League would end up in the nick. I know, I know, <laughs> but he. Um, so he had the agreement for the replay that he wouldn't play, but he, he come on in extra time and I think they scored like in the last minute to beat us 1-0. So that was, we had that. And then I think the other year was we won a couple of games and then we got to play AFC Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. And that was a sellout. I think we had three, three and a half thousand people there. We, we got we got pumped 3-0 to be honest. I think we, we played... We didn't play the game, we played the occasion. And yeah. I'll, I'll never forget coming off, I got I got dragged, so I had a terrible game and I was fuming, sat in the dugout. And then uh one of the one of the supporters is um 
done a naked streak. He, he's jumped on uh, Paul Taylor, uh, the goalkeeper, give him a bear hug. And then it's awful, but it's the funniest thing I've seen. He's, he's slide tackled the, um, the linesman who didn't see it coming, two-footed. And he could have managed done a roly-poly, the police had come. And I'd gone from not being fuming to like doubling over and like crying tears of laughter. But that's what the sort of club was like. And as I say, when the money ran out and then a club like Boreham Woods come in, it just you felt... You can't say no. That, yeah, that was the right time to go. So that was like my first stint um, there. Um, that, that was my first stint. And then when I left the second time, was um, I had a good game against a team called Brackley Town, mm-hmm. I know Brackley. Um, and then they they tried to sign us uh, before the end of the season, and we was in a relegation battle, I think, from step four, and um, I was with a team called St Joe's. We made the national cup final, and the final was being played at Anfield. Oh wow! So I decided I turned down Brackley to stay at Dunstable for the relegation fight, but I was kind of selfish in that. Dunstable, who weren't paying my wages, need me on a Saturday. I didn't feel 100%, but if truth be told, I probably could have played, but I mm-hmm. sat it out because I knew I had that final. And for me, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play at Anfield. Um, so I didn't. So that that pissed a few people off, and rightly so. And then Pipe Man, being Pipe Man, absolutely slaughtered me in a match report. And um, <laughs> he, when, when I did... Leave that second time, but come back. He 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 reminded me that I um I I, I took Umbridge to uh, his match report and told him so, but I I was a different character then. Um, mm. So yeah, so then ended up going to Brackley, won the league, then I went to Hitchin, again got promoted, and then I was getting to that age where it sort of hit me 31, 32. I was like, I ain't gonna be young forever, you know. When you when you're a kid, you think you're gonna be young forever. And, I didn't realise, but I had a big love for the game of football uh, without realising it. And um, an opportunity came up where I think I must have been mid-30s by then, where Hitchin, I could see my time was running out there as a player. Um, and then um, there was a lad called Dean Brennan. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> uh, who's, what is he, Barnet manager now? Barnet now, yeah. Go, yeah he they only play 45 Hemel. minutes of a game, though. Yeah. But he left to go Hemel and then um, Revo and Crofty made contact. Turds I weren't entirely happy at Hitchin um, and, and, and made me an offer to become player coach. The team was flying at step five and I just thought, you know, it's just, this is a good opportunity looking at the bigger picture. So I come back to a brand new stadium, fantastic facilities, brilliant pitch, 3G. And I was like, bloody hell. I wasn't mm. expecting, I heard about it, but I weren't expecting it to, to be as, as good as what it was. So how did, you, how did you find the transition from player to manager? Because obviously you played for Dunstable, you've known the club as it was as a player. And as you know, we've all played the game, you just turn up, you put your boots on, you warm up, you have a laugh with the lads. How hard was it for you, Tone, to go from being a player and then being to like a player manager and the the main man at Dunstall making all the decisions? You've just gone from playing and having the great banter on the field. Then you've got to hang on, get your manager head switched on. How did you find the transition from playing for Dunstable to then going to manage them? Well, I was quite lucky because when I, when I first went, I was the coach. It was Revo and Crofty that were the joint managers and I was there to support them and whatever tactics they want to help. I'd have a say in the team, but they were the, the main men 
that 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 were the managers and they were the ones that was behind all the initial success that we had. Um, I played my part, but I could never take the full credit for that. Mm. That was down to Revo and Crofty at the time. Um, but I've always been known for being a bit of a having a bit of banter, being a bit jovial. So it was that probably that aspect that I found the most difficult in trying to tone it down. Some people will say that I haven't toned it down, but in my own head, I, I believe that I have. Um, and I'm quite, um, whether it's my upbringing or, as I say, the sort of tough love that I received when I was a kid playing football, um, I'm, I'm quite a, I'd be probably regarded as a traditional manager that can mm-hmm. dish out the, the, the hairdryer treatment, so to speak, but that's that's what I know and what I had to quickly learn and realise was the, the players that, that could take that and the players that, that needed their arm put around them, so to speak, which is which is a fine art. Um but yeah, that 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 squad I've got to say was was fantastic. I mean you had Rochi up front, you had some good experienced lads, Leach Mark Leach come with us, um Joe Bruce was there, uh Moses, Graham Buchanan. You know that that step that step five team in the South Midlands was brilliant. So it didn't need coaching so mm-hmm. much. It was just fine tuning, just basically just carrying on that momentum that that, that Dean Brennan had, had started. So we went on that season. I just joined off, but they just lost in the Vars, which was a shame because they can't help but feel maybe if like because it weren't just me, it's me and Leach. If we'd have come in, we might have had a, a good go of it at the Vars, but we remained unbeaten that season. Um, mm. and become like the invincibles for that and then went through to step four and it was as you were to be honest made a couple of additions uh, got Adam Watkins in I think he he, he just left Luton um, and sold him the dream of coming to Dunstable of what we was going to do and he bought into it and Adam even now he's 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 such a good lad but he, he's a Brilliant, brilliant footballer. And I'd have to say he's probably one of the best local talents that we've seen here, like locally in the last 15 odd years. Mm. Um, we had him, we had Chris Marsh, Roachy, Lee Roach on his own up front was like two strikers. You know, he, he just carried on his form. And yeah, just the the, the lads, they, they understood, they bought into it. They took the bollockings when they needed to get it, but... Fundamentally, they had that winning mentality. It was almost a game that never say die attitude. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the, one of the turning points, I think we we, we drew away at rugby. You were, were really pushing, but it was Daventry that, that that pushed us all the way. But that midweek game, they they lost, I think, away to Wegham. So it all rode on the last game of the season. We was at home to Uxbridge. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt, I don't know, it felt a bit surreal. It didn't feel, yeah, it just felt weird in that, we went one nil up, but we were playing well within ourselves. And it's understandable. No one wants to make a mistake. No one wants to be the person that, that, that gives that goal away. And everyone's winning. And literally in the last minute, when a lad on loan from Luton, Jerome Jibadou, who again was a fantastic footballer, and Uxbridge done this shot in the last minute, and he slid across and it hit his chest. And the, the ref blew. And I was like, shit, he's given a penalty in the last minute. I can't believe it. But then he blew again. But because we had that, we didn't, I don't know, I felt weird. We didn't celebrate as mm-hmm. as much as what, what what we probably should have winning the, the winning the league on the last game of the season. 
And then we went on to um, win the Challenge Cup that year as well. And I remember that's what there was like of Roger Dance, the chairman, Revo, you know, we Crofty, we all gone, went down with John McLaughlin, who we'll mention in a bit. We went down there to um, Torquay and it was fantastic. And you can, like some big clubs down there and they're thinking, who the hell are these, this mm. group of people? And we just, <laughs> we had a clean sweep. We just swept up and it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like the you know, the invincible team and everything like that. I mean, it must have been so good to be a part of that team. As you was coming in as a coach and then a manager, you must have thought, oh, this is a piece of piss. This is this is easy. Uh, I mean, what was the club like off the field at the time? Because obviously we're going to get to at the end of your career at Dunstable, all went a bit, the club was starting to decline a little bit. Like when I chat to the regiment all the time and they were like, just as you were coming to the end of it, is where the club really started to, to, to change a little bit. But how did it go from such a prominent club, you know, the, the great invincible team? And then like you say, you had some great FA Cup runs. We were winning trophies. Where did it all not start to go wrong, but where did you start to see a pattern as a manager and as a former player where you're like, hang on a minute, something's not quite right here? Well, it was that, well, it weren't quite then, but one of the key points, which was a massive lesson learned, basically because Revo and Crofty had these ambitions to, to go and kick on the game, they wanted to go and smash step three. We've done mm. step five, we've done step four, we wanted to smash step three, where maybe... That should have been the period where we had that sort of foot on the ball moment and mm-hmm. maybe consolidated that year, suss out the league and then see what we need to do in order to go and kick on. And the reason why I say that is that basically broke up the whole nucleus of that squad. And I'd go on hand, and I don't know, some people might say it's a bit controversial, but I honestly believe that by I say behaving the way that we did as a club, it sort of paved the way for AFC Dunstable because right. they got to cherry pick. Uh, basically a squad. They, I mean, they got about seven lads that are just one step four that mm. were in the prime of their career that all understood Dunstable, understood the, the winning mentality, cared for the club, cared about winning, and they were local. Mm-hmm. We then get a load of ex-pros in from League One, League Two, Conference National. That's when I shit myself because it really took me out of my comfort zone, to be honest. you got lads like Ben Hurd, who was captain at Shrewsbury, um, Steve Gregory, like he was part of the AFC Wimbledon team that beat Luton in the uh, Conference National uh, playoffs on penalties. You know, Charlie Henry, ex-Luton player. You know, it was a real flipping pool of talented ex-pros. But after, I'd say... 10 games, we were top and we were flying. But the other mistake that was made is when they lost their first game, this is my own personal opinion, I say mm-hmm. this is, when they lost that first game, the following week they got their wages and they were like, oh shit, we still get the same wage. So that matter whether we win or lose. Oh, wow. So you could almost see mm-hmm. they didn't care. Yep. They didn't care. Um, and then that, that, that really like pissed me off and then I think it pissed off Revo and Crofty. I don't know what went on, but something happened like midway through like that season. Obviously, his finances. There was a falling out of some description. And honestly, don't know what happened. But then that meant Crofty parted ways. Mm-hmm. John was sort of the, the chairman. Uh, John McLaughlin was the chairman. Um, and then they just made the decisions 
to put me in as interim manager whilst they tried to sort out what was going on and happening behind the scenes. So when I first, say, picked up as, as a manager, I was in a real sort of tough situation disarray behind mm. the scenes, you know. So then we started losing players hand over fist and it was just a bit of a, a rebuild. How do you handle that situation as a manager? Like you, you've just been taken over as interim and obviously you're losing players, you know, like you know Dunstable as in the Dunstable that you know, as in the player, as in that you come back to coach. And now you're like, here, mate, the club's kind of going to shit, but we want you to sort it out. What goes through your mind when that's happening? Well, it's just an opportunity. I was just grateful for the opportunity because because of, say, my sort of um, character or how people perceive me, I may not have got that opportunity at, at another club mm-hmm. um, or so soon. So I just grabbed it by both hands and you have to back yourself. You have to think, I'm going to give it a good go. And it, it's almost weird, not to say for my own mental well-being, but if I'd have failed, which some people, some people's eyes that I may have as, as a manager, but I don't believe so, um, because it depends how you measure success, but I could have walked away from the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I hadn't given it a go at coaching and managing, I would have been sat here wondering, oh, I wonder what it would have been like as a manager. And now I've had that opportunity. I was just grateful. But the, the sort of the yin to my yang, we just brought in um, Danny Talbot, mm-hmm. who was who had aspirations of his own, to, to get into management and he saw that as a stepping stone that if he come in as assistant to myself as a player's assistant then we could see see how it goes so saw that season out and then that pre-season I'll, I'll go on record to say that we probably had the lowest budget in the Southern Prem mm. um, we've done a lot of wheeling dealing begging I mean Fair play to John. He, he found the money. We, we bought a lad called James Koloski, who was, who was young at the time, from St Albans for £1,000. Um, we managed to get him over the line. Then we started getting lads like David Keenley's side, David Longkeen, uh, Adam Papera come up, um, Zach Reynolds, Gideon Akito, uh, Paul Bastock. Already had the likes of Steve Gregory there. Uh Found the lad Alex Kathline. Um, trying to think who else there were, but some of those lads like David Longkeen, for example, via like a bit, but he went on to be pro. Mm. You know, Zach Reynolds went on and had a brilliant career. He's doing well at Russian and Diamonds. Peps went on. You know, when I look at that, James Kolotsky went on, ended up playing step two. Invariably, we sold him back to St Albans later on in that season for a small profit. But the point I was trying to make in how do you measure success, I think after 10 games, we was top of step three. And you're talking about clubs that are well-established, budgets, you know. So for us to never be in a relegation battle, I think was was success in itself. Um, And along the way, we picked up one or two half-decent results, you know, mm-hmm. beating the likes of Weymouth, um, results at Dorchester, Hungerford, when they were flying, we beat them twice, you know, so we, we, we did pick up some some half-decent results along the way. Mm. But I think that, that, that season as well, which it's sort of, I, I think, oh, flipping out. If I if I could rewind the clock back, was originally meant to play AFC Dunstable at uh, Luton Town's ground for the Bed Senior Cup. 
but the original date it got postponed and then when it was rearranged it was after the transfer deadline because we wasn't going to win or get relegated lost about five six players um so we were weakened but the Saturday before that game, we played um, Weymouth and we drew another lad up front who scored. And I thought, Do you know what? He deserves he deserved that chance to play. And I tinkered with the formation and the starting eleven. And in hindsight, it was the bloody wrong decision. Like, I kicked myself out of lads called Joshy Insane, who went and played Scottish Championship on the bench. Another lad, Vance Bowler, on the bench, who went and played for like step three, banging in goals. And I should have started those two. Not mm-hmm. no disrespect to lads that started, but I should have I should have started the team that that I felt would have would have probably give AFC a, a, a good run for their money, and we ended up losing that two 0 and and that hurt. And I'll try not to go into personal reasons and get too deep about it, but I remember looking over the the, the stand. There was about two thousand people, and when I see certain people that were cheering for AFC Dunstable that were family members that that stayed with me and that resonated wow. and that 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 hurt mm. and I just thought that's what football does do you know what I mean yeah and but I'll never forget that moment of walking across and it's weird how I just caught that person's eye and I see them celebrating for AFC and I was like Phew. that that hurt more than losing the game yeah I bet but that's one of those things it's it's, uh, it's life's lesson um, so then, yeah, went through the following season, I think, and then we managed to get through that. And I think I think it was that following season. I can't remember exactly, but basically, um, towards the end, when when I come on, I kind of felt that it was going to be my last game as a player. And uh, I, I come on, so the regiment are giving me a bit of shit as they do all the time. Like, they still do that now, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, nah. Brilliant! I love I love them to bits, and I love the banter and and all that. And we've had some good giggles along the way. But I knew it was going to be my last game as a player for Dunstable, and uh, I come on the pitch and they're giving it a bit of shit and whatnot. Anyway, what I've done, I've gone up to them, and what I've done, I had a five pound note stuffed down my sock, and I got out and I give it to the original. I said, "Have a beer on me." <laughs> oh, I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely love so that. That's the sort of bit of banter that we had, you know, but. Yeah, fast forward to the summer. I mean, John McLaughlin gets a lot of stick. I don't know all the ins and outs behind the scenes, but it was only ever good for me. He he did do a lot of work behind the scenes that people wouldn't necessarily know about. I don't say care about, but he always found the money each week. All the players always got paid, which was something that historically may have like being associated with with certain clubs, you know. So he, he always he always found the pennies. It killed him sometimes. I think sometimes it might have come out of his own pocket. Mm. He, he ensured like that we got the ground graded that we needed. That's why we got the bus stop behind uh, the top <laughs> end of the goal just to give us enough enough of a covered seating area. And all in the the, the backstop. And, and again, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but that whole new facility from understandings sort of owned and run by the council. Yeah, we don't get much from that. We get gate receipts now, mate. That's it. Yeah. And from my this is my opinion and I'm not saying it and I may not and I may be wrong. But I couldn't help when I was there, but football felt like a hindrance to them. It was an inconvenience. 
Mm. Um, I don't feel that they're there to support the club, either club, both Dunstable Town or, or AFC. And it's a real shame because if it weren't for Dunstable Town, they wouldn't they wouldn't be there. Yeah, agreed. You know, so that's that's the real sadness about it, and that you, you always seem to be swimming like against the tide and, and, and not having that support from from the likes of certain councillors who you think would have thrown all their weight behind that to see like the revenue that it can generate. So yeah, it's um yeah it's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, I've, I've had situations with them in pre-season when another lad, Luke Pennell, who went on, we we saw well, we gave him to Dagenham and I had to ring up John Still and say because he was the manager at the time. I just said, John, look, you've been a non-league manager. I guess you've taken one of my best players for free. Is there anything that you can do? So he just said, look, I'll, I'll give you a pre-season friendly as, mm-hmm. as compensation. So I was like, brilliant. But it was the date, the only date they could do was two days before what the council said we could have. Give the pitch and back. The, yeah. The Sounds fights that, and arguments we had just to get that game on. Mm. You know, fortunately they relented and they, and they and they give us the extra 48 hours. But I was like, that, that ain't right. You know, yeah. this is this is our pitch. This is our, this was our ground. And yeah. now we're having to 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 beg and ask if we can use our own pitch, which just didn't sit right with me at the time. Um, but yeah, as I say, getting towards the end of that season, John just said, Jello, I'm, 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 I'm done. He just said, I'm, I'm, a new investor come in, um, transpires. I don't know too much about them, but their plans was to start again at Div 2. And I just kind of felt all that work that I'd done, as, as, as well as others behind the scenes, to get the club to step free and be an established step free side, and someone just to come in just to say, well, yeah, Fuck that! We don't care. We're going to start again. At yeah, I think would that have been step six, step seven? Mm-hmm. It just ah, oh, it was just ridiculous. And then that got rejected. And basically, the the new boards that that had come in, they said, "Look, we'd like you to stay on as manager, but the budget's going to be zero. And I was a bit like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm used to doing it, or more or less for free, but." Yeah, that's Come taking on. a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, what is it? And they're like, no, we're starting from scratch. It's going to be zero. And to be honest, at that time, I think my energy levels were just spent. And I just thought, I've, I've grafted as best I can on a limited budget. So to do so again with zero against some well-established big step three clubs, I just felt it, it weren't right for, for me personally to do that. I mean, when we did have a budget, I was driving on a Tuesday night with the kit, I had no mm. kit, man. I think it was only me and Torb sometimes. And we're going over to Weymouth and was 3-0 up and drawing 3-3, you know. And I just thought, if I'm doing that and having to like, get a new assistant manager in, Torb's went over to Chesham and, and build a squad. And because of the sort of character I am, how can you how can you have a how can you bollock someone that's that's doing that's playing for free, yeah. traveling two and a half hours? All you all you could say every week was thanks for turning up and I just didn't have it in me to get how I felt would be getting trails. So when Tony McCall come in and I see the job that he'd done, I just had to say fair play and, and, and tip my cap to him, you know? Wow. Uh, Tony, it's been a, this hour's flowing by, mate. It's been an absolute yeah, pleasure sorry, to have. No, no, mate, honestly, we can go for another hour if we could, mate. Um, we'll definitely get you back on the show. Uh, just quickly for summing up though, Tony, if you had to describe what Dunstable Town meant to you, mate, how would you describe it? Oh, flipping out. I don't know if I can describe it in one word. Just I'll say unique, unique, but um, 
brilliant. You, you had to, you had to be in, you have to be in it to understand it. Is the only way I can describe it. Very, mm. very unique. Sometimes uh, outside the box, and now we've done things, but we always got the job done. Mm. Always got the job done, and it's a it's a fantastic club. I'm so glad that the the boards managed to keep the club going, and and it's and it is good. Like I speak, I spoke to Joe a couple of times, um, and it's nice to see that like there's that stability, and now they're competing at the right end of the table. I don't feel they're a step three club personally. I feel if they could get that fan base in there, that that should be there around Dunstable. Yeah, they should easily be a step three, step two side. With the facilities and 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 hopefully the infrastructure they got there, but yeah, unique is is the only way I could describe it. Wow. Brilliant, brilliant club and some fantastic memories. Well, Tony, you, you mentioned there that you called in a favour. Well, you're now at Slough with Dunstable. We might need some pre-season friendlies next year, mate. I'm just going to throw it out there now, Tony. We'd love to yeah, see yeah, you back yeah. down at Creasy Park, mate. Just I'm not can't nah, speak for Joe. I'll, I'll be more than happy to to try and help out and accommodate where I can. So yeah, definitely. I'll, Get jokes, give me a buzz, and we'll sort something out in the summer. That's oh, if I'm it. still there. Yeah, you'll <laughs> be there. Mate. Offer, someone yeah. might offer me an extra five. <laughs> 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 we won't get a, we won't get a beer for a five down Creasy Park now, no, mate. No. Yeah, he's, but Tony, honestly, uh, and I speak for the regiment and everyone else. You're more than welcome back down Dunstable Town. It, when, as soon as I spoke to Scotty about trying to do these shows now, now we've got the podcast and we're you know we're trying to even little things like this. We're trying to get our name out there even a little bit more. Um, I know Scotty and everyone speaks so fondly of you, all the guys in the regiment. I know you're welcome back down Dunstable anytime, mate. So anytime you're around or you haven't got a game. Pop down to Creasy Park, mate. I know there's a point waiting for you behind the bar. Nah, we'll lads, do, mate. definitely do that. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me on again. I've really enjoyed speaking about it. So cheers, Andy. Uh, no so, worries, mate. What is it? To the, to the regiment? I wish to I was To the regiment, there. that's it, mate. Yeah, oh, God, I've had a few nights out with them since I've been here. Oh, honestly, <laughs> mate. They're, Scotty, and they, they've killed me. Absolutely killed me. Uh, but we're going to do this again. We've got some uh, We've got some more guests lined up over the next couple of weeks. We don't play for 18 days now. It's absolute madness. No, we haven't got... Yeah, Spartan League, mate, don't. Uh, but this has been the Talk of the Town podcast. I've been your host, Andy Burrows. Till next time, everybody. Up them, Mighty Blues. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to today's Talk of the Town podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. You can find us on Twitter at DTFC Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Talk of the Town podcast.